finally, months, I think it's two months and several failed attempts, the Fake Spike Hot podcast is back. What's up, Vort? It is good to be back. I've missed talking football with you. Uh, it's been way too long. And like I said, just good to be back at it. Hell yeah. There is so much going on. I mean, I made some notes as time was going by and some of the stuff is no longer applicable. I mean, we can touch on some of it just for the hell of it, but some of it's no longer applicable. Applicable. Um, some of it doesn't matter anymore. Some of some of it just plain doesn't exist. But you know, there's a lot going on from, you know, the, when we first started trying to do this, it was like the Deshaun Watson um you know, the Deshaun Watson was was the big topic, and then there was free agency, and then Deshaun Watson apparently, you know, raped three hundred thirty three women. Talking about the biggest attribute of Watson was what an amazing person and citizen he was. <laughs> I know <laughs> that panned out yeah, really yeah. well. That aged really well. Yeah. I know, I know. He's, he's, there's not a hint of anything about him. Yeah, okay. Well, we should have waited a little longer. All right, so we got um. You know, I got a whole bunch of stuff, but all right. I, I know you said you had a couple of topics. Let's let's just let's just go with it, man. We'll just we'll just talk, chat. A couple of guys hanging out talking football, man. What do you got on your mind? So the first thing that I wanted to touch, but obviously the two big things on my mind, uh, the wide receiver we got from Tennessee Titans, Corey Davis, and the, the trade mm-hmm. of Sam Darnold. The obvious. There are some smaller things in between, but Robo, I cannot contain my excitement about the wide receiver. To me, really? that checks off. Every box that, as a fan, that I absolutely love. This is way beyond like. The, uh, being a dark side or being a Jet fan, the one concern to me is the guys coming from an offense that was all about the supremely dominant, arguably the best running back in the game, and how much did that contribute to open up uh, pass-catching uh, pass opportunities for Davis. But as far as if you want to just be real and be somewhat positive, look at the checkboxes. Look at the boxes he checks off for us. Number one, most importantly, he's in his physical prime. He's in his mid-20s. He's just entering his prime. We're not talking about signing a 34, 33-year-old guy on the downside of his career. To me, like the old Jets regime, let's get A.J. Green. Let's give him a three-year contract. This is a young guy. The other thing, coming off uh, a career season, uh, 900-plus yards, 67 receptions. So we know that the guy has ability to be on a thousand yard receiver one of the league leaders in catching contested balls he's a tall physical guy he's a strong guy and one of the biggest biggest things he's coming from a winning culture he has playoff experience he knows what it's like to go through a long grueling season and be part of the winning locker room all those things check off such important boxes whatever other things you want to add whatever things you want to subtract okay but as far as his age the ability he's shown and the development he's shown every season and coming from a winning culture, to me, wow, what a pairing to go with Mims and whichever quarterback is going to be on their center. I'm assuming he's going to be a rookie. We are now giving him real weapons. I am supremely excited about that acquisition. Absolutely supremely excited. I don't have anything bad to add about Corey Davis. I mean, he was a, a number five overall pick the same year Donald was drafted. So it's like it's not like the guy sucks and, you know, you're hoping that a project will, you know, maybe be this or maybe be that. I mean, this is a guy who was a number five overall pick and has shown flashes. And, you know, they're getting him, as you said. That's And that's the thing Douglas has been doing. He's been getting all these guys, former first-round picks, which we'll get to in a second. I mean, I, I, wanna, I don't want I wanna stay on track. But the things I've been hearing about Davis are a lot of the intangible stuff. You know, he, he's a good blocker. He's he's fantastic with play action, getting open to play action. He's, he gets a lot of yards after the catch. This is all stuff that the average football fan, and I, I will include myself in that. I consider myself higher than average as far as football knowledge, but... I will include myself in this. The average football fan just looks at stats, right? They how many catches the guy makes, he drops the ball, or you know he scores touchdowns. But all these little intangible things that that go towards a winning team and a winning culture, nobody ever really thinks of them. And he seems to check all the boxes for the intangibles as well. So I am I am I'm very high on it too, considering they got him. You know, it was an expensive deal, but for for what could be a number one wide receiver, it's not. And as usual, Douglas made the smart move and signed him. You know, front loaded it. Where if it doesn't work out over a year or two, then he's just going to be gone. So I think it was I a am, very, right with very reasonable contract. Absolutely, and uh, mm-hmm. 
just the, to think the fact that we're pairing him up with Mims, now we have two young, talented receivers with a very high ceiling. And the other thing about Davis is it's not like he's coming in from an offense where he was catching passes from Drew Brees, where he was under this dominant aired out uh, offense where you're like, well, how much was, how much was it was the system? He's coming in from an offense where it was run, 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 defend, run, run, play action, let the receiver make a play. It was it was Ryan fucking Tannehill. Right. But he was also the second option. He was also AJ Brown was the main guy there. So and they had a, a pretty good tight end too, the Tanu guy who's with New England now, right? So they had a decent tight end, they had a very good receiver, and they had a monster running game, and he still put up nine hundred yards and five or six touchdowns. So that's you know, and again, you cannot underestimate the fact that the guy was a fifth overall pick only a couple of years ago. I mean, he clearly has a major amount of talent and clearly has, has been highly thought of to go number five overall. It's, I mean, wide receivers don't generally go that high. So for him to be good enough to have gone that high, then, you know, and, and now the Jets have him at what could be considered a bargain. I mean, we're talking about paying Robbie Anderson 10 to $12 million a year. They got yep. this guy for an average of 12, $12 million a year. And some of that's a signing bonus. So it won't even end up being $12 million a year. If he performs, if he doesn't perform, it won't even be that much. So, I, I think it's a great deal. I mean, considering Kenny Galladay got like 19 million from the Giants, and he hasn't played a full season yet. So all I, all aboard, I agree with you 100. percent I I like the deal, and I love. I mean, we can use this as a segue. I know we'll talk about the Arnold. I know you wanted to get to that, but we can use this as a segue into what a good job I think Joe Douglas has done with free agency in general. Right? He has signed a bunch of young guys who are former number one picks. I mean, he's not messing around. He's He is stockpiling former number one picks and trusting in his coach and his staff to Bingo. be able to develop these guys. Yep. That's so, the big so, thing about it. Yeah. Sign guys in their 20s who are in their physical prime and trust your coaches to get the max out of them. Those guys clearly have to, well, not clearly, but there is there's something seen there by the professional eye that sees the talent is there. It, it just needs to be the right system. And like you said, they have to be coached up. It's not just the guys you throw on the field. But I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but this is no, one no, of the please. biggest thing that I've been absolutely in love with Douglas this offseason is young guys. We're not talking about 30-plus. We're talking about mid-20s, guys who still have not reached their potential and are already contributors. I am so excited about their ceiling. Um, one of them, the name escapes me, but he signed the edge rusher. Again, a position of big need for the Jets. Oh, Lawson, Carl Lawson. And while the guy, again, one of the things you said when we were discussing Davis, the sacks, not eye-popping numbers, nothing that really jumps off. So you think, oh, what does it really have? But then you read he was number one in the NFL in quarterback knockdowns. And you always say, if you want to get to the quarterback, you don't necessarily have to sack him, but hit him. Put him on the ground. They start getting happy feet. They start getting rid of the ball a little bit earlier. So one of those hidden stats, but when I read about it, I was like, hey, that looks damn good to me. And again, the guy has not hit 30. Uh, Another guy in his uh, mid to late 20s, another guy who still has a, a ceiling that we might not have yet seen. Yeah, and I absolutely love the fact that the Jets, for once, and it's the first time I can ever, because usually they're playing fantasy football, but for once, the Jets seem to have a plan and they have a system that they are trying to fit. So they're not going after the biggest names. They're not paying the most money. They are going after guys who fit their system. You know, like, for instance, I'm not going to use the offensive line because those are obvious ones, but the one of the defensive linemen that, that, people were screaming that they wanted. And I and say, you forgot the one they signed. I forgot the one they didn't sign was um, a guy that, that ended up signing somewhere else for a little bit more money, but he had more sacks. And it turned out that this guy Lawson with his pressure and, you know, whatever, whatever else he brings to the table fit the Jets system. So the Jets are sticking to a plan and getting system guys. And you and me both know that at the end of the day, if you have a strong system and a bunch of players who buy into the system, you'll be better than a team that's got a bunch of superstars just trying to make things work. So I am so excited to see the Jets following a plan. And the angrier these morons that that on Facebook and all these other places get at what they think the Jets aren't doing right, the happier I am because they, they have no idea what they're talking about 
most of the time. And that's something we've discussed. That's we've discussed what, that so many times. So. That's historically what's pissed me off about the Moronic Jet fan. It's sign a big name. Sign the name that produces in fantasy football. No. Sign. The, have a system. Have an idea of how and what your team is going to be about. And get the pieces that are going to fit that system. Yep. And that's what the Jets seem to be doing for once, you know? And you get back to it for one second, the guy doesn't get a lot of sacks, and people are screaming that the Jets don't have any corners. Yeah, you have to assume they'll address that in a draft, but the Jets now have three or four guys that can actually pressure the quarterback. So even if they don't always sack the quarterback, that is going to take so much pressure off the secondary, and you may not need top corners. You know, if you don't have a pass rush, yeah, you need a Revis out there. But with a pass rush that is going to make the quarterback either like run out of the pocket or or just you know fold up or whatever 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 the case may be, you rush the quarterback. You you don't need as great a secondary. So I'm not as panicky as some people are about the corner. Now I'm, I'm positive that Douglas, with somewhere in those first three picks, is going to take a corner and an offensive lineman. Obviously, 30, 23 and thirty four. The number two is is for a quarterback. But I'm fairly certain that those will be the two picks there. There's a lot of people who think it'll be a running back. I think one will be a corner, one will be an offensive lineman. And then people can shut up about how he didn't address it in free agency. Like any team can address 97 holes in in one free agent period. It's just, it's not possible. And people don't understand that. But I think Douglas has done a very good job. And most of his signings have been young players, as you said, but also not crazy contracts. Only one or two guys got big contracts. And even they're not huge by big contract standards. Douglas has sat back. He was patient, didn't jump in on the the first wave, the first half of the first day and sat back and picked off bargains as he went, and then later on signed a bunch of depth guys that no one knew about. And, of course, the the, the idiots out there are like, oh, there's this guy, we're going to really win the Super Bowl now. It's like, no, idiot, this is depth. You know, anybody who had half a brain or listened to this show, whichever one, because you would have known either way, would know that Douglas is not going to spend tons of money on free agency. Free agency is depth and filling holes. Okay, he is going to look to draft players and develop them. And if the coaching staff is as good as it seems like it is, then he's well on his way to making that plan work. And I absolutely love that. I that's the path I wanted the Jets to take. It's nice to see the general manager who laid out that path and is being disciplined enough uh, to stick to it. There is one more signing that went kind of under the radar. It's not a big addition, but I definitely wanted to mention it. And if you're familiar with the guy, I wanted to get your thoughts on it. He picked up a fantastic change of pace running back, in my opinion, Tevin Coleman. Also, the guy was kind of being talked about like he's done. He's 27 years old. He does not have a lot of mileage on his tires. From everything that I've read so far, they said the explosiveness and the speed is still there. He catches the ball. He's super fast. Tevin Coleman is blazing fast. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's a fantastic change of pace running back who can, in case of an injury, step in for a couple of games and be a starter and carry the load. Maybe not 30 carries, but uh, he can be right up there. But absolutely love the signing. Again, the guy's not 30. $2 million, man. (laughs) $2 million. That's like you and me dropping five bucks to a freaking, to a, to a, um, to a to a valet guy, you know what I mean? We're feeling generous. We'll throw him five bucks. And like it doesn't no sweat off our back. It makes him happy. Two million dollars for a freaking running back of that quality. And and like you said, people are trashing it because I mean the guy is injury prone, but for two million dollars, what are you getting for two million dollars in this league? And if he he does anything like he's done in in, in you know part time in Atlanta and then for San Francisco, the Jets got to steal at two million dollars. Absolutely steal. I love one of those under the radar guys, uh, one of those under the radar signings where, again, you're not picking up a workhorse to give him 25 to 20 uh, touches a game, but he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can be a fantastic security blanket, especially for a young quarterback. Love everything about it. And the fact that he was basically picked up from a bargain bin, absolutely loved that. Absolutely loved another piece. Yep, and that's another reason. The Jets now have three running backs, and that's another reason why it's not likely they're gonna they're gonna take a running back in the first, you know, I would say if they're gonna take a running back, it's gonna be fifth, you know, fourth or fifth round on, a project guy or or just a depth pick. I don't think they're looking at the Najee Harris's and the and the tra- and the, the I forget his first name, Travis Etienne. Is that his name? Travis, whatever the case is, but I don't think they're gonna be looking for guys in the in the in the late first or early second round that 
some of these guys are talking about the Jets picking up. I just don't I don't see it because they already have three guys. You don't need more than that unless you're talking about injury depth. But I don't see the Jets going and getting a top dog guy. I think I think Douglas is is not going to pay running backs. Uh, maybe draft one, you know, but I don't think he's going to value the running back position like that. I think he's got the guys he wants. You know, this kid Josh Adams from last year looked pretty good. Coleman. Um, now I could be wrong. Maybe they sign a workhorse guy because uh, I don't think any of these guys are workhorses. But I don't know that you need them. The Jets are going to have like a a West Coast offense with a lot of passes. I don't know that they're going to be super run heavy. They might use the run to set up the pass and then use a lot of timing plays and and stuff like that. But I don't see the Jets spending a lot of draft capital on a workhorse back unless it's a little later in the draft. If you ask me the earliest, absolute earliest, Douglas goes for a running back in the draft, it's going to be a third round, but I see it more like you, possibly fourth or fifth. I think you, uh, if you look at Douglas's draft board, I think a running back will be an absolute bottom, just above a kicker or a punter. I think it just uh, the way he builds a team, it's a uh, he doesn't view it as a vital offensive weapon. He believes a good running back can be made with a very good offensive line and good wide receivers. And you know what? Maybe he's thinking, I don't need a guy who will rush for 1,400 yards. If I have three guys and each one of them can catch the ball out of the backfield and each one can go for somewhere between 450 to 600, 700 yards, fine. 300 monster. We rewrite the hot hand. We have a change of pace guy at all times. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine yeah. with that. And look at the setup they had in San Francisco. You never heard of any of those guys, and suddenly they were all <laughs> they were all going crazy. And I know you're talking about Douglas, but I'm talking about Salah, you know, and and um and uh, Christ, like uh, Lafleur. Right? Th- those are the guys who are running shit, and they had that in San Francisco. You know, you think San Francisco didn't have a running back? You had Coleman, you had Mostert, you had um. Kyle Jancic, right? He was the fullback. So, so I think the Jets are probably going to be a running back by committee, and they're going to look for, you know, they're going to look for the other skill positions to really step it up and have the running back position kind of be a supplemental thing rather than a featured thing. That's just that's just my take. I I agree with you, and for me, it's hard to admit because a couple of years ago, I was the I was the guy that was saying that it is idiotic, it is stupid, it is inconceivable for the Giants to pass on Saquon Barkley because he's a generational talent. And while I still believe that, what that lesson taught me is there is a reason most NFL quarterbacks have a very short shelf life. Injuries for those guys, just uh, it just seems like almost a given. So You mean running backs, right? Ru- I, I meant okay, running. I just wanted to make Okay, right. Okay. Thank you for catching that. I definitely no, meant no running worries. backs. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the injuries almost seem like a given for an NFL running back. If you have somebody who lasts five, six seasons, it's almost like a gift from the heavens. So I kind of have to eat crow on that one and say, you know what? I am. T- if you have a strong offensive line, go with the running back by committee. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I. You know, the funny thing is, is this will probably be a good segue into the Darnold trade. But I have a few things listed here um, about um, you know the past couple of drafts and stuff. And one of them was you and me when we were doing the show on the radio station. Um, and arguing over the draft that was coming up, which at the time was the Saquon Barley, Barkley and, um, and and Darnold draft. And I was insisting that the Giants were stupid for taking a running back and, and they were going to trade at it at it a spot because everybody wanted quarterbacks. There was no reason for them to stay there and take a running back when they can either get him a little bit later or or you can go with a running back at committee. And you were absolutely right. They stayed there and they took him. And I could not believe that. But it, it also taught me that, you know, sometimes <laughs> they don't go the way I think they're going to go just because I think it's right. But that was something we were talking about before that draft. And what I wrote down was that the Jets are in a similar position, right? The Jets have a, you know, have a quarterback. Now, obviously, Eli Manning and, and Darnold are not comparable, but they are veterans who the Jets could have kept, you know, that the teams could have kept. So I said the Jets are in a very similar position. And they now have the second pick. Uh, should they trade back and stick with Darnold or try and get a quarterback a little bit later? But they're in a position where they should acquire draft capital. Now, obviously, that's outdated. Um, and that, that's a, I guess it's a good time to start talking about the Darnold trade. But I had a bunch of different things here. Um, this is how long it's been since, since we've done a podcast. I was, I was writing notes about, about how um, 
uh, Douglas was waiting for bargains. He wasn't signing free agents. Meanwhile, like later that day, he started signing free agents. <laughs> I had that day. Um, you know, he's using free agency for depth. He's not going to sign big players, which I knew. Uh, oh, I said the top free agents don't want to come here. We have no quarterback and a terrible organization. And within a day or two, I ate crow on that. But, you know, Robert Sala seems to have made a difference. Did you notice that some of these guys came here because they bought into his vision and they liked him? Everything I'm reading, the players love his energy. The players love the plan he lays out for them. And that's another big thing. He's a man with a plan and apparently a plan that the team is buying into rather quickly. So, again, one of those off-season positives that as a fan I absolutely love. Yeah, and one or two of the guys that signed specifically said they signed because, you know, they talked to him and he and he motivated them. He made them feel motivated and felt like he was going to put a, a winning culture in here, which and this is kind of foreign to me. <laughs> I don't know anything about this kind of shit, you know? Um, one, one more thing on free agency, and then we'll, we'll talk about Darnold because I know it's, 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 uh, it's related to the free agent stuff and the, and the draft. But one stat that came out was that there, the two teams that have spent the most money on free agents in the past five years are the Jets and the Jaguars. <laughs> and the two worst teams over the same period are the Jets and the Jaguars. And who's picking one and two this year? So it is just another testament to Douglas and any team, but Douglas, because he's my guy, um, not just going and blowing up free agency and spending the most money they possibly can on guys and actually using it the right way. Because, you know, the two teams that have spent the most money over the past five years are the worst organizations and picking one, two in the draft this year. So that was something I found pretty funny. And uh, yeah, so now we can talk a little bit about Sam Donald because the draft, obviously, you know, uh, two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever it was before Donald was traded, we, we still had a lot of uncertainty about if the Jets were going to keep him, trade back, um, you know, uh, sign a vet and compete with Donald, draft a quarterback and keep Donald, all of that. I was always positive the Jets would get rid of him eventually. I did leave the door open for them keeping him, but I, I knew they were going to look for a quarterback this year. I did not expect them to trade him this early, number one, and I certainly didn't expect them to get back the amount of picks that they got. I was very happy with the return. So I know you wanted to talk about it. The floor is all yours. So the first thing is exactly like you said, the return they got on Donald brought a smile to my face. I did not expect them to get numerous picks for him. So bravo to Douglas for pulling that off. That being said, I was surprised. I, I was beginning to, I've said for a long time that I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Donald gets the chance to be a quarterback for at least one season under our new coach. The more quarterbacks were switching teams, the more I was starting to believe that the Jets missed their chance to get rid of Darnold. And uh, it was almost going to be a marriage by default this upcoming season. The trade was a surprise to me, not in the sense that I was surprised. I can I can see it happening. It was a surprise as far as there was no rumors going on. The, uh, the Jets are talking with the Panthers. And all of a sudden, you just get an alert. Darnold traded to the Panthers. Uh, again, I'm not losing any sleep over it. We knew that uh, he didn't show enough for this to be a big loss. He's still a young quarterback. I wish him all the best. But as far as if you want me to summarize the move, I applaud our GM for getting the return that he did. And I am now excited about what seems to be a young man from BYU coming over and uh, getting his chance to be the next Jets franchise quarterback. Well, the first. But I, uh, you know, before we get into the draft and who's, who the Jets are taking and who we want them to take and blah, 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 I, I did want to continue on with um, Darnold for one second. Um, I'm going to give a big I told you so to all these people that insisted that Darnold needed to be seen with with uh, with new players and, and, a, and a good coach and all of that stuff and and completely discounted any thought that Joe Douglas as a GM in this league in his third year who finally has an opportunity to make his own mark would actually put the, those eggs in the basket of someone else's pick that needed development as opposed to drafting his own guy, resetting the clock, and still having a guy who needs development. So it would make no sense to say, all right, I'm going to risk my career on on the other guy's guy who's already somewhat failed, spend a year to two years developing him, and then pay him all this money when I could draft my own guy, craft him from scratch, and you know, and and reset the clock and have him for four years, which coincidentally is just about the amount of time he's got left. So somewhere around year two or three of the quarterbacks, uh, 
development here. Douglas is either going to be a lame duck or they're going to extend him. And and that's the way it should be. You should have your chance to make your mark with your own guy. And shame on all these people who would argue with me that that was not going to be the case because Darnold was ruined by the Jets and needed a chance. Yes, he was ruined by the Jets. He did not necessarily need a chance. He had his chance. And regardless of whether he was given help or not, the, the stars did not align for the Jets to be able to, to pay this guy and sign him when they could go in a completely fresh direction and everything, and I mean everything, from from the experience factor to the development factor to the money factor to the career factor, all of it pointed towards Darnold not staying here. So I am off my soapbox. I am calm again. <laughs> but that is my big middle finger, screw you, I was right, you guys weren't, to all these people who would argue constantly. This is one that I have to give you major, major props on. And sometimes you just have to take a step back and acknowledge how right you are. Because I flip-flopped on this topic so many times. Keep Darnold. Sign a veteran. Trade Darnold. No. Give the new coach a chance. He's still young enough. Youngest quarterback in the NFL. Blah, blah, blah. Looking for reasons to kind of, I have to say, to almost give him a pass for the failures and blame the franchise. And you took a stance. Um, I don't remember if it was week 13, 14. Whenever Darnold came back uh, from his injury and took over for Flacco, one or two games, and you just took the stance and you said, no, he's done. Look, Flacco had better numbers, same offense. I don't want to hear it. We know they have a shitty coach. We know they have a shitty franchise. But there are certain things that at this point you needed to see from the developmental side. You said it all along. I don't see it. It's time to move on. The, the economics of the game also confirm it. The new coach wants his own guy. And most importantly, Douglas as a GM, if you're going to put your job and your name on the line, you want your own coach and you want your own quarterback. And time came for him to have his own quarterback. You took the stance. You stood by it while I flip-flopped back and forth. So props to you, my man. It came true. Oh, and, thank you. Uh, and you called it right away. So that was, uh, I, I won't forget that. So I just had to throw that out there real quick. Well, thank you. And and that is years of me learning how to not go with my heart and go with what I see. I know we talked about that a lot this year in our podcast about how, you know, all the years of, of putting my heart into it and, and rooting for what I wanted as opposed to what should happen. But just all the Jets do is stomp on you because it doesn't work out. And you, and you, and you, you, know, you, you don't ever look at the forest. You, you, know, you miss the forest for the trees when you do that. So once, once I, I had my face stomped in so many times by this team, I had to either give up the sport or learn to see what football teams do in certain situations. So I understood the direction they were going. And ever since the Idzik and, and McCagnan days, I've understood the direction the Jets are going. They have not always executed it right, but I've always understood what they were trying to do. And, you know, if you're going to ask for my heart, if it was strictly my heart, which I don't even have that in me anymore. I'm proud to say that I can look at it from the business standpoint, but if you're going to ask me from my heart, I would love to have seen them give Darnold the chance. But there was no way that was going to happen with the, with the NFL salary, uh, with the rookie cap being the way it is. And, you know, it might have been that way if Darnold played better, you know, then they might have had a chance to build around it. But once he wasn't playing well and was ranked below his own backup, and, you know, you had a new GM in here who had his first opportunity to draft a quarterback and a coach who was terrible, who was out the door with a new coach. There was no, there was no, like, you know, you come to a signpost that point in the direction. None of those signs pointed in the direction of the Jets keeping Donald with any logic. I mean, the only one was your heart. I really would love to see that he's a great kid. I want to see him succeed. He was our guy three years ago. No team has ever done this in, in so short a time and gone in a quarterback, blah, 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 all of that stuff. Unfortunately, Every logical sign pointed to this. So I would, I'll take credit for taking the stance, but I didn't invent this. I mean, I just, I went out there and learned the football business side and that's, and that's how I've survived. My, my heart has survived all these last seven or eight years. Cause if I didn't know what direction they were doing, I would just think they were a bunch of idiots and scream and yell like half the guys on Facebook do who have absolutely no clue whatsoever what's going on. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. All right, so now we can talk about the draft a little. It is pretty much a foregone conclusion that they're drafting Zach Wilson, but I, I really, I, I, you know, I like Wilson from what I've seen and heard, but I, I, I really am, am thinking the Jets might be sleeping on Justin Fields. I mean, he is—he's got everything Zach Wilson has, but 
he's, he's bigger, he's more solid, he's faster. I know he doesn't have quite the accuracy, but um, I, I don't understand why Justin Fields dropped out of out of what was clearly the second spot. And suddenly, as there's even talk of the guy dropping to the middle of the first round. So I'm not sure I'm convinced the Jets are making the right decision. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be happy either way. We got a, a good young guy in here. And depending who you talk to, one or the other is going to be, you know, better than Trevor Lawrence, blah, blah, blah. But I, I don't know why Justin Fields dropped off. He seems to have every tool. And then the more I hear about him, I mean, he, he had the highest Wonderlick score ever. You know, he's, you know, a lot of the things they're saying about him not not looking at his past his first progression and not reading defenses, they, they've debunked that because of the style of offense they ran, you know. So I, I, I am not entirely convinced about Zach Wilson. And I'm interested in your opinion on that because we really haven't spoken about this much. You know, the last time we mentioned anything about the draft was long before, you know, we knew the Jets. I mean, I guess we at that time we knew the Jets locked the second pick in, but we haven't talked about any of this stuff. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what you're thinking? So here's my take on this. Obviously, now we can we can settle the debate. The Jets are taking their next franchise quarterback second overall. Am I sold on uh, Zach Wilson? Far from it. I am intrigued by him. He worries the hell out of me because while there was a lot of talk about him as a talented guy, he really exploded after he had his pro day workout. And Robbo, if you know me, you know, the guys that scare me the most in the draft are the guys that shine in the workout room. Those guys scare <laughs> yeah. the shit out of me. But I, Vernon I'm assuming Golston. that it exactly that's the name that I will never forget, Vernon Golston. But I'm hoping that it's that the fact that he shot up the draft charts was not solely based on a couple of workouts. I think it forced people to really go back and review the tape on the kid, and uh, there was a lot of positives there. Unlike you, I am not yet convinced that the Jets are going with Zach Wilson. I think Justin Fields is still in the consideration, still in the running. Um, I think the only 100% given is Trevor Lawrence going number one. Do I think, if I had to give the odds right now, I think it's 80% Wilson, 20% Fields. Now, as far as Fields, that's another guy that uh, has a good high ceiling, but he's far from a given like you, I remember the conversation where he was almost a shoo-in for the second overall pick, and then he started dropping, and now he's one of the biggest question marks header in the draft. And to me, I can almost justify it by the way he played in the uh, in the championship game. The way he played in a semifinal game, everybody's Twitter, everybody's phone was blowing up. This is the greatest performance we've ever seen. The guy just cemented himself. Heck, let's even talk about if he's going to turn out to be better than Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he set the conversation on fire. And then he doused it all out with the way he played in the championship game. So I think those two games, there was such contrast with the good and the bad. The good was so damn good. And the bad was so goddamn bad that it forced people to really evaluate and look at him through through a lens, through a magnifying lens, where the tape maybe revealed something where now they're either playing rope-a-dope and all of a sudden he's going to be drafted second or third overall, or those two games forced people to look and find that happy medium and the tape is showing something that maybe you and me are not seeing. And I'm sure it's going to be talked about during the draft day. They're going <clears> to... <throat> The commentators, the announcers, they're going to finally give their verdict on what was the negatives, what was the positives. And I'm very curious to hear those. But uh, to me, I was not overly impressed by uh, by his uh, semifinal game just because it was a one-game thing. I wanted to see him do it again, and he did not even come close to matching that performance in the championship game. So to me, it's a toss-up. Uh, I like... Me personally, I like when a guy's coming out from a school like BYU. I'm always a little nervous of uh, superstar players, quarterbacks, tight end receivers, running backs coming out of schools like Alabama. They are talented. They're good. You have to be one of the top players in the nation to get a scholarship in those programs. But you pile up so many stats against teams that are just inferior to you. Well, when you're playing for somebody like a BYU, you don't have an opportunity to do that. So maybe I'm just trying to be a little positive, but if it was up to me, I do take Zach Wilson over Justin Fields. Time will tell, but that's also my take why I think Fields, the conversation on him cooled off a little bit and uh, 
We'll see if it's justified or not, but those are my reasons. I think he was he created the hype and then literally the next week to fall flat on his face. The team as a whole, but obviously you always gotta look at the quarterback, and that's what caused a lot of the talk and possibly him dropping in the draft. Yeah, but see, I'm not sure I completely buy that he was so terrible in the championship game. I mean, he had he had he had uh, bruised ribs. He could he couldn't even you know he he wasn't 100 percent at all. Uh, one of his receivers got knocked out early, and he was playing a better team. I know Clemson has a good defense, but Alabama's stacked with NFL players. So take an injury, take take um you know one of his receivers away from him, and and add in a better defense. And you know, you you can't expect them to have the same game as the previous week. So, you know, if anybody's going to get super excited by his great game, and then, you know, even worse, be the same people fall off the cliff and not be interested at all after the bad game, then I, I don't know how how long you've been following football if those two games had you go from unsure to sure and then back to unsure again. I so just I don't. don't th- you know, I don't think they became uninterested. I think the the way he fluctuated to go from on fire to ice cold, it's not that they became uninterested. It just forced them to take a deeper dive and really review almost every snap from his last season. Right. And maybe the, now that being said, we are assuming the kid is going to drop in the draft. If he goes third, fourth, fifth, anywhere in the top seven, that's not really free falling in the draft. And for him, the best weapon he has is do what Aaron Rodgers did, make people regret passing on you in the draft. And, you know, time will tell. But again, uh, if he ends up going number three overall and it becomes basically a preference thing where the Jets chose uh, Wilson over Fields and uh, the team drafting behind the Jets still feels like they won out with Fields, I don't think you can discuss this as him falling in the draft. It's just the team drafting one ahead saw something, saw the intangibles they preferred in Wilson over Fields. If he goes uh, middle to late first round or God forbid falls out of the first round which is not justifiable at all then we can talk about wow he's going to fall he really free fell in the draft and then he becomes a career worth monitoring because if he ends up doing an Aaron Rodgers you're going to have a lot of GMs with explaining to do or he's going to be what a lot of GMs are going to justify and say see he never turned out to and never amounted to that superstar quarterback Right. And, you know, who's picking third is the Niners. They traded up. So the, the Niners didn't trade from 12 to 3 and give up all of those draft picks not to draft the quarterback. So there are three choices, basically. If the Jets take Wilson, as expected, are gonna is going to be Fields, Mac Jones, or Trey Lance. And Mac Jones seems to be in the conversation lately. Mac Jones... It seems to have a like a low ceiling. He's a solid guy. He's a pocket passer. Um, he, he did nothing but play with the top top everything for for his years with Alabama and there's a lot of talk that he's going in that top top few picks now whereas you know at the beginning of 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 the off season he was he was looked at as a late first round pick suddenly out of nowhere he's up there and I hate to have to do it but I'm going to do it anyway and I know you and me had this conversation and we didn't get our points across on email I've had this conversation with other people and the point doesn't come across correctly but there is always a white quarterback that somehow flies up the draft board. And there is usually, I will not say always, there is usually a black, a black quarterback they find faults with who falls down the draft order. And I don't think it's racism. I, I, I hate that word because people throw that word around for everything. When someone, someone, you know, to me, racism is an outward, uh, an outward intentional act to discriminate against other people and, and exclude them, whatever, whatever. I don't think that's that's what happens here. I think there is a natural tendency for people to think a certain way, and 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 if you look for it, you can find it. They will there will always be the same catchphrases. The white guy is always a gamer. He's always got um, you know his his leadership is this, and he's got this, he's got that. Whereas the black guy is athletic and can't read defenses and he should be a play a different position that happens so often that it can't be a coincidence and i think there's a little bit of that here i think the fact that the guy has a darker skin color is is hurting his chances because i i honestly think that if this was mac jones who had the same career as him, Mac Jones would be in the conversation for a top three pick without any doubt. I mean, he's, he's already in the conversation for a top three pick. He hasn't done anything to justify it. I know you disagree with me, and I'm hoping that I made my point a little bit better here than I did in the email when we spoke about it. But I honestly believe that is a large factor at, in just about all times. 
I do disagree with you. Again, they have to wait for the draft to play out. Let me say this. Mac Jones being in a conversation to me is a shocker of shockers. Uh, that's uh, I can't wait to see that one play out, but I don't see him skyrocket into third. I also agree with the 49ers are probably most likely if you're drafting, uh, you are looking, you identified a quarterback or you identified a couple that you, you know Lawrence is going first. You have your eye on Zach Wilson, but you also have a very clear option that if Wilson goes to the Jets, you'll be happy with the third option. There is always going to be at least one, sometimes more quarterbacks that are going to stink up the joint. There's always almost every couple of years to have this quarterback class that is going to be a historical quarterback class. And then you're lucky if you have one or two that are serviceable, if not superstar level quarterbacks. Look, my opinion on this is this. Uh, being a fan in the late 90s, uh, being a football fan in the late 90s, that was uh, a prevalent phrase that you either heard or you read about or it was unspoken, but it was obvious. Oh, a black quarterback is not smart enough to read defenses. He's athletic. He should be a running back. He should be a tweener, whatever that may be. But I think over the last couple of years, maybe a little bit more, that has changed drastically. And I also believe that in the NFL, however team, uh, what is this, 30, 31, 32 teams in the NFL, you have 30 head coaches. You have 30 general managers that are fighting for their job tooth and nail every goddamn day of the year, every minute of the day. They're looking to make the team better. They're looking how to prolong their job, which is never a short thing, which is never a given. And I think that comes with the territory of putting your biases aside, intentional or unintentional, and simply looking for the best position player, for the best player at the position you're looking at. The last couple of years showed us that we had the, and I know you and me argue that Trubisky, you, you use an example that somebody like a Mitch Trubisky went way ahead of uh, Deshaun Watson, but it's not like Watson fell in the draft. You have a guy like Aaron Rodgers who fell in the draft. You had a guy like RG3 who went really high. You had a guy like Jamarcus Russell who went really high. And I'm not using them for the fact that they didn't pan out, but it's just an example of a African-American quarterback who did go high in the draft who didn't work out. So, again, who really knows? Nobody can get inside the person's head. But I just simply believe in this billion-dollar industry. Those biases are at least the last few seasons in, in a, let's say, the last five, six seasons. Those biases have been cast aside. And now it's simply who is going to win games for my team? Who is the best prospect that fits the system and the vision that I have? That's just my opinion. No, I hear you. And I, I have two things. This will make it for an interesting back and forth a little bit. Number one, Deshaun Watson did fall. He went at like number 12. Do you, you think, and I remember Deshaun Watson was in a similar position to um, to Trevor Lawrence in that he was a championship guy. He had all the tools. And I don't even follow college. And I saw him, the way he handled the huddle. I was like, wow, this guy actually has something, you know? And he, and he went to 12. Mitch Dubisky jumped up to two. Um, I think wasn't that was the same year Pat, Pat Patrick Mahomes was taken right he he they traded up for him at ten but you know Patrick Mahomes probably not a good example because he was from a small school and whatever whatever but you know the um oh the the, the biggest example why I can't say this has gone away completely I will agree with you that it is nowhere near what it used to be whereas they didn't where where they didn't even have black quarterbacks and your Randall Cunningham's and your Warren Moons were the exceptions you know now there's so many black quarterbacks that no argument can possibly be made for the fact that they don't that they won't draft black quarterbacks okay but you have the example of um, I just totally lost my train of thought. What the hell was I about this? Oh, this, of of um, Lamar Jackson is the, is a, another great example. He was a good college player, and you had you know these four or five guys go ahead of him. Who three you know two uh, four guys? Two of them are absolutely terrible in Darnold and Rosen. You know Allen and, and has been great. Mayfield has been has been pretty good. I wouldn't say he necessarily justifies the number one, but you had Lamar Jackson, who a lot of people touted as one of the better quarterbacks in the class, fell to the very end of the first round to the Ravens, and they ended up taking him. And granted, he hasn't proven that he can be an elite quarterback yet, but he has been an elite football player who was doing a pretty good job as a quarterback. So 
you know, there, there are examples of it if you look. And that's one of the things I preface this with anytime I talk about it is if you look for the examples, it's there. Okay. The second point I want to make about the coaches and the GMs doing whatever they can to, to make things work. I agree with that 100%. I am not, I have never once said either in our email conversations or now, have I ever once ever accused anyone of purposely saying, I'm not drafting this guy because he's black. Never. I've never, I don't think anybody does that. I think there is a natural bias in, in the, in the head of, of a lot of people that will just automatically detract from the skills or the, the intangibles that a black quarterback will bring to the position. And it not, and, and, and that narrative gets out there and it, and it, makes people look at them as as less of a talent than they might actually be and so they, they go lower no one actually says screw this i'm not taking a black quarterback and that's not what i mean at all that would be racist i am not saying this is a racist thing i and you will not see me use the word racism even though you and me have different discussions with some of our friends and we get into racist this and racist that the word racism very rarely leaves my mouth because i think it's overplayed and i think it is used so much that it has taken away from real racism. So I am, you know, again, I stress, I am not saying that people physically sit there and say, screw this, take the white guy over the black guy. I don't think that's what happens. I think there is an, a subconscious thing that causes them to automatically assume that a black quarterback doesn't have the same intangibles and that the white quarterback either does or or maybe does, but but they don't get the same benefit of the doubt. That's all I'm saying. And I hope that's a little bit more, a little bit more clear as to how I'm trying to portray it. I, I understand your point. I definitely do. You verbalize it really clear. On, on the topic of Lamar Jackson, the last thing that I want to say, I also thought about him when we were having that email discussion and what a great example he is. But then when I slept on it, you know, the thought that I had, we're making that argument predicated on the fact that the NFL draft is not a sort of a guessing game and hope for the best, but it's an exact science. Like, like people knew that Lamar Jackson was going to... I mean, if if during that draft you knew Lamar Jackson was going to be what he is today, obviously he goes ahead of Trubisky. But the scouting reports, every, every report that I was reading about Lamar Jackson, I remember it really well. The big thing was, guy has no accuracy, and the guy does not throw to a spot. He waits for a receiver to be open. And you kind of still see it now. He's a supreme talent. He's an incredible athlete. He's a terrific NFL quarterback. I don't want to call him an athlete. He is a quarterback. He's a winning quarterback. He's a playoff quarterback. But can you say that the guy is a is an A plus, that he checks off all the boxes? He checks off all the boxes you want in a quarterback. No. And he puts himself in line of danger. And we've seen that with the Robert Griffin III, eventually a running quarterback or a quarterback who really relies on the run. I don't want to use the phrase running quarterback. The only guy who had any longevity with his career that way was uh, Michael Vick. You had so many guys who just, uh, they run into a linebacker, they get blindsided, and it's just never the same. So to me, the jury's still out on Lamar Jackson. Clearly, he's made a lot of GMs look really dumb because he has been to the playoffs. He's breaking all kinds of records. And most importantly, he's winning games. That's all it is. And I think that's, that's uh, as far as when it comes to Justin Fields, it's going to be a great discussion in two or three years. We're either going to be talking about Robert Griffin III, a guy who had all this immense potential but never really worked out, or we're going to be talking about uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Lamar Jackson type, who is, wow, how did we miss him? The guy is a winning quarterback. Or, God forbid, for a lot of GMs, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. Like, you missed a once-in-a-generation quarterback who is a Super Bowl-winning franchise. We're uh, uh, never losing him type of quarterback. So, right now, it's all a guessing game. Uh, but, again, it's, it's hard for me to sit to say why he dropped in the draft when the draft hasn't happened yet, and he might end up going number three overall. No, maybe so, and, and he might. You know, as far as Lamar Jackson, I'll get back to the Justin Fields point in a second. But in Lamar Jackson, I agree with you hundred percent. I am not saying that GMs made a mistake. I am just speaking strictly of perception. But some of them made a mistake. But at the end of the day, Lamar Jackson hasn't shown that he can be a top quarterback. He, he is he is an amazing 
um, weapon. Let's put it that way. He's an amazing weapon, whether it's with his arm or with his legs. But when it comes to things that you want your quarterback to do, I have not seen a lot of them in big situations from Lamar Jackson. And that's not because he doesn't have the talent. Maybe he's still developing, you know, but, but thus far, Lamar Jackson has not shown a lot of uh, you mentioned it, accuracy, and he waits for receivers to turn. At the end of the day, for me, he he, he has not shown the ability to step up big in throwing situations. I mean, his his legs are a tremendous weapon, and he's got a, he's obviously got an arm on him. But when it when, you know the bigger the game, it seems to me that he, he seems to be somewhat easy to shut down, and that's just early in his career. So I, I was kind of hesitant to use him as an example, but I think the way our discussion developed. It turned into a it turned into one that I had to make. As far as Justin Fields, you're right. He could be he could go three and he could be a superstar. He can go ten and he can be a bum. It doesn't necessarily matter. But again, I am st- speaking strictly from perception here, and I am I am fairly convinced that if Justin Fields played at BYU and had the same career as Zach Wilson, right, where he did nothing for a couple of years and then had one one big year with shitty competition in a in a pandemic he probably doesn't shoot up to the, to be the sure number 2 pick whereas Zach Wilson did and i think if Zach Wilson is the Ohio State quarterback and did he, and had 66 touchdowns and nine interceptions in 2 years and had a monstrous championship game i think people would have given him the pass for for the for the ribs in the championship game uh semifinals he had a huge game and then i think they would have given him given him the exception the uh, you know the pass for the for the game and he would have been the clear number two pick that that's all I'm saying we can agree to disagree that that is the case but I am fairly convinced that that had those positions been reversed that you know we would have no doubt that that the guy at number two is the guy at number two whereas because of what I'm saying or what I think is a is the perception amongst amongst league executives and the public in general we now have a question about whether zach wilson um not zach wilson justin Fields should be number two if the positions were reversed there would be no question he would be so he still might go three he still might be a superstar but the perception has has led to him potentially not being number two and almost likely not being number two whereas in, a, in a, if the positions were reversed he would absolutely be number two my honest answer is I don't know. Simply because if I'm gonna die on a mountain arguing, I wanna, I wanna die arguing by throwing facts in your face and, and right knowing now, you're sure. Yeah. Say. So I, I understand your point. I think we slightly differ, but it is what it is. And like I said, it's gonna be a fun discussion to look back on this couple. Of, well, first of all, I wanna revisit this discussion after the draft to see where Fields ends up going. And uh, secondly, in a couple of years, when we're doing episode number 35, I want to see, (laughs) (laughs) I meant 135, and see how Fields is doing compared to the guys that go ahead of him. Well, that's going to be huge for us as Jet fans because this we're not just talking about, you know, a, a potential race discussion and who's going to go two and who's going to go three. We are the ones making this decision. <laughs> and if we make the wrong decision and Zach Wilson and his, you know, 210-pound body get hurt and, and he misses, you know, half the season and then he's never the same or they Chad Pennington him and, and wreck his, his throwing shoulder, which has already had surgery um, – you know, and Justin Fields turns into Russell Wilson, then, you know, we're going to be having a, a pretty crazy discussion in a couple of years. So that's, this is, we are, we are innately tied to this, to this decision, no matter what happens. I mean, we are the dark siders. So if I had to put yeah. money on it right now, I think in a couple of years, <laughs> we're going to be talking about how did we let this quarterback get drafted 12th, 13th, 20th, when we went with this bum at number two. Yeah, we went, this, we went with this guy. We'll be looking at him at best like like Pennington. Like he was smart. He had all the tools, but he had a chicken arm because he, he wrecked <laughs> his shoulder, right? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. So. Meanwhile, Fields all is right. hoisting the Lombardi trophy for the third yeah, time. Yeah, for the third time, right? <laughs> <laughs> with the 49ers, you know, the, the guys. That makes it even worse is that if they take three, it's the guys that basically spawned our guys and then you know, they traded up and but anyway, um, I don't have anything else. I thought this would be a longer discussion, but a lot of the stuff I had is outdated. It doesn't matter anymore. So if you don't have anything, then uh, I will see you next Monday night. And that's on you night. we got to make sure we do Mondays, right? That's it. Okay.